And the zone of genius is a place where you're in flow, you're at your best, you're most energized, alive, things are effortless. And in those moments, people were actually explaining without knowing they were saying it, how their parts, their different identities were being activated if at the same time. So this one teacher was like, you know, I'm being an empath by hearing the problems of my students and giving them guidance and counseling, but I'm also sharing knowledge and I'm also bringing in creativity and I'm also this and I'm also this. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the intersection. Like, is this really how it works that when we feel our best in our work, we're in the intersection of our, of our work? And I started knowing I was onto something, like that was the beginning of the hunch. So I kept checking it out, testing it, right? Like I was trying to understand, do more people have this too? And sure enough, they do. Podcasting from Boulder, Colorado. This is the Baby Got Backstory podcast, where we dive into the story behind the story of today's most inspiring storytellers, creators, and entrepreneurs. I like big backstories, and I cannot lie. I am your host, Mark Gutman. I'm Mark Gutman, and on today's episode of Baby Got Backstory, I want to know, what do you do? Really? What do you do? If this question gives you pause, or if you have ever felt anxious at a party or event when someone asks you, what do you do? And there's no real great way to say it, not really, then stay tuned because this episode is for you. And before we get into the show, here's a reminder. If you like and enjoy the show, please take a minute or two to rate and review us over at Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Apple and Spotify use these ratings. They really do as part of the algorithm that determines ratings on their charts. And we like ratings, so please go ahead and give us a review if you like the show. Today's guest is Dr. Sarah Beth Burke. And that question, what do you do? was a tough one for her to answer. She did many different things from design to research to innovation, and she never had a good answer to that that question. And I don't know about you, but when I don't have a good answer, I Google for it. Then I maybe read a blog, but Sarah Beth, she went full researcher on the question discovered that work professionals have many different identities and where those identities intersect, well, that's where the magic happens. Today, Dr. Sarah Beth Burke is the leading expert in hybrid professional identity and a hybrid professional herself. She's been featured in Forbes and is a TEDx speaker, author, and the recipient of a Colorado Inno on Fire Award for her innovative work. Sarah Beth's hybrid title is Creative Disruptor because she blends her artist, researcher, educator, designer identities together to lead and create innovation strategies that radically connect resources and people in new ways. Sarah Beth obtained her PhD from the University of Denver and has degrees from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and the Rhode Island School of Design so she knows what she's talking about. Her background includes directing major initiatives in K-12, higher education, startups, and nonprofits. And this is her hybrid story. I'm here with 
Sarah Burke, the creative disruptor at More Than My Title. Sarah, thanks for coming on the show and let's get right into it. What is a creative disruptor? Hey, Mark, thanks for having me. Ah, the creative disruptor question. Well, essentially, I didn't know what to call myself. I was more than my job title. And I did all this work, which we can talk about reflecting on like, who am I really? Like, what do I want to be called? And I noticed I'm a person that challenges and pushes and changes information because I see it differently. And that was like that disruptor inside of me. But then also I'm super creative. I come from an art background and I'm always like visually orienting things and making sense of like pictures and images. And I was like, I'm not just a disruptor. I'm like really creative in how I do it because I am like playing with tools and using design thinking. And that that's me in a nutshell. Like that term is my identity in my work. And that's why I call myself a creative disruptor. I'm changing things for the good. Yes, and thank you. And I and I neglected to, when I introduced you to uh, I, I forgot that you are Doctor Sarah Beth Burke, and, and I think that's relevant and that's important. <laughs> and we'll talk about that because you're a researcher and and uh, an academic, and, and a lot of what we're talking about is rooted in that research and and, and that background. But you 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 started that with saying I didn't know what to call myself, like. Why did that even matter? What, why was that coming up as a problem for you? Like what was happening in your life where not knowing what to call yourself was an issue? Mark, I don't know how many parties you've been to or networking events, but ultimately everyone says, hey, what do you do? Hey, nice to meet you. What do you do? And this, what do you do question plagued me. It really became the bane of my existence because I got super anxious. I was in a space in my life where I wasn't really secure in what my career was and what I was doing for work. I was finding myself and going through like a job search career transition process. So I didn't have an answer to that question, like something solid where I was like, yeah, I'm Sarah Beth, I'm the blah, blah, blah. So when I was struggling with how to answer that question, I finally realized I was having an identity crisis. I like literally didn't know who I was. And that to me launched this whole series of events where I got really curious on who am I? Like, I'm not what people are calling me. I'm not just a teacher or a designer. Like there's something else here. And I really wanted to figure that out. This idea and the word that you just used in that story about identity and has that been something you've always been interested in? Like when you were growing up, was, was were you, you might not have used those words. You might not have framed it as identity, but was that something that, that always either perplexed, confused, or interested you? I, pro- I would say no. Like this isn't something that was on my mind for years and years. It's something that I realized was the root problem I was circling around, but I never had a name for it. Like when I was trying to figure out what I was doing after college and how to build my career, the advice I often got from people was, well, figure out what you're passionate about. Like, let's, let's talk about what your strengths, let's figure out, you know, what you love to do and make your work fit that. So it was always about the, what do you do and and why, and how are you going to do it? No one ever stopped and asked me, so about who are you? Like, who do you think you are? Like, what do you call yourself? That's a different question. So this notion of identity came to me much later because I realized we were talking about something we weren't really talking about. Like there's another piece of the puzzle that was missing. 
And, and so that's interesting. Let's talk about that. So when you were growing up, what was your identity? Like, what did you think? Or, or, let me rephrase that. Who were you at the time? And then where'd you, what would you think you were going to end up doing? What were you hoping to do? Yeah. I mean, I was this perfect student. I was the straight A girl. I loved academics and art. That was really what I was up to. And so my identity for, you know, the first 20 some years of my life was student, you know, like you are a student. That's what people tell you. And then you graduate high school or college or wherever you finish your degree and you lose that identity. And literally that's when I dropped into my first identity crisis. But people told me, oh, you're just burned out or, oh, you know, you're just going through like a quarter life crisis or something. No one ever said you are having this identity moment. And so that first transition of going from student to, well, what am I now? Who am I now? And then trying to figure out like, okay, who's going to hire me? Like, I don't even know how to take my degree and turn it into a job. I was a ski instructor after I graduated because I literally was like, where do I start? And then I eventually went back to grad school, got a degree in art and design, went into the classroom, worked for some nonprofits and boom. Then I felt a little more secure because what we usually do in society is you define yourself by your job. So when you're in a job, you have security around your identity. You're like, oh, I'm Joe, the marketing manager, and I'm Sally, the coder. And like, you just have this sense of who you are based on what you do, because we spend the majority of our lives in our jobs. And literally research says that when you lose a loved one, go through a divorce or lose a job, those are the three biggest moments where you lose a sense of yourself. And I until you go through that, you don't realize how powerful you associate yourself with the thing you're doing. So that was a little bit of how I started noticing I was having an identity crisis is when I lost it. Yeah. And and what I heard there is that like this idea of our identity and our identity changing and even being between identities, it's, it's not something like that happens just once. It doesn't just happen you know, between our 20, you know, matriculating from through college to the working world, it can happen a lot of different times. And I think that, you know, at least myself, uh, you know, I think about like how I approach it, like I feel guilty about that, or I feel like I'm doing something wrong or, and and you and I have talked about this. I feel like shame that like, I don't know how to identify, identify myself. Did you experience that at all while while you were going through that transition? A hundred percent. (laughs) Yes. I mean, there's so much wrapped up. I felt like a failure. I felt vulnerable, full of guilt. My self-worth, my self-confidence were just all in the pits. I really was just like, I I felt lost and confused. It's it's a dissociative moment is what like psychology would say. And you just feel disconnected because you don't know like, like your roots anymore. Your, your foundation got taken from you. And so it's a process, right, of rebuilding and reinventing and finding yourself again. And I think it's part of growth. I think life, like you just mentioned, puts us through these tests at different times. It's not just once. I'm actually going through my fourth identity crisis right now. Like I have mapped them and I'm on number four right now. So they keep coming. Yeah. And the pro, the the leading expert, I, hybridity and identity crisis is going through an identity crisis, which is great. You know, it's like, it's, this isn't <laughs> like exclusively to other people. And so uh, it's something that we all go through. And so were you originally from Colorado? No, I was born on the East coast in Pennsylvania okay. and my family wanted to be in the West. They loved the mountains. So I moved out to Colorado when I was in elementary school. All right. And then 
I want to go back to that moment when you were a ski instructor. So you wanted to be a ski instructor. Like, tell me about that. Like, what what was that like? (laughs) You know, I, so I graduated from undergrad. I was in Chicago at the time, came back home to be with my parents. Everything just felt off kilter. And I became a barista at a coffee shop. And that was like the fall season. And I um, had done some summer camp. Uh, teaching with like people that were ski instructors because I grew up in the Roaring Fork Valley by Aspen and Snowmass. So I had some contacts in the ski industry. And sure enough, I called them up and said, what does it take to be a ski instructor? And they said, come on down, apply, we're hiring. And I made it as a rookie that year. So it was really just kind of going with the flow of life. But it was really good for me because I, as I mentioned, I was so academic. When you're a ski instructor, it's really about safety of the kids first. We always said the order is safety, fun, and then learning. And a lot of it was just letting go of structure and homework and research and like deep thinking. It was like, go just be like, have a job that's so much about enjoying life and meeting people and going skiing with kids all day. It was great. Yeah. And so this is so interesting to me. So you and I have met recently and and certainly the identity I know about you is, you know, an expert on hybridity and and this topic of of uh being, you know, trying to find, you know, how do I talk about myself? But like when I look at your bio, and this is kind of funny to me because you and I did an event together and I was super impressed with how like you were cranking out these these beautiful design uh, assets and all this stuff and I was like, "Wow, Sarah Beth's really good at this." I didn't realize and I feel silly because, you know, you, you always refer to yourself as an academic and you talk a lot about academics and, and research. And, and that's, that's how I categorize you. That's how I see you in your identity. But you have this crazy background where you went to the uh, Art Institute of Chicago and RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design. Like, talk to me a little bit about that. Because just even that, like you, you, you started saying, like, I was really into academics, academics, but you were also really, you were like a very serious like art student, like how, like talk me through that a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, I was a wallflower in high school. I need to go back to that moment, but my, my creative outlet was art class. I always needed to take art every semester. And I fell in love with my high school art teacher just because she was such an inspiration and just opened my eyes to like mediums and ideas I'd never seen. But she, didn't let me get into senior studio, which is like the pinnacle of the high school experience, because that was only for the most talented students. So I had this sense that I actually wasn't good enough. So I tried to like focus on something more academic in college, but eventually noticed I love graphic design. I love interior design. I love drawing and painting. And I actually loved book arts. I thought I wanted to be a book artist, like paper making and book binding. And I said, screw it. I had started at one university and I transferred and went to art school because that was such a deep desire that kept calling me. So I picked a major in my undergrad that was actually 50-50 art and critical thinking. Like I took any studio major I wanted. I didn't have to focus on one. Screen printing, puppetry, fashion design, letterpress printing. I was all over the map. And then I was going into these classes. One was called transmodalities. And the professor, Joseph Grigley, he's actually deaf. And so he would talk to us about, um, he, he could speak, but he had a translator about things like 
how do you know the taste of a cigar or the taste of wine when it's written down on these cards? And my brain was going crazy with like making sense of translating information from one modality to another. And yet I'm doing these art forms where I'm doing mixed media practice. So my entire background has been about interdisciplinarity and crossing things that are unrelated together and finding new things at the intersection. So this has always been a heartbeat and it comes from my creative background. It comes from experimenting with making meaning. I think that's really who I am. That's great. And, and thank you so much for sharing that. And so, you know, you went to the Art Institute of Chicago, you went to RISD. Like, at, at what point did you then start to think, hey, I'm going to like research this whole question of who am I and how do I talk about myself? Because I, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, I've got this problem and I don't like going to cocktail parties and people say, what do you do? And I don't know, you know, and maybe you'd read some books, but you went a little further. Like, like why, like, like why, like how did that all transpire and what drove you to really dive deep in this, in this subject? I think I started to feel like I was compartmentalizing myself. So I was in the classroom teaching art and I got to a crossroads. I knew I was ready to do more. I wanted to have leadership. I wanted to transform education. Like I'm a person that wants to blow shit up and create new school systems and like, you know, universities, K-12, none of it's working. Let's start over. I'm an innovator. That goes back to the disruptor too. And in order to do that, I needed people to see me as more than an art teacher. Like that was how people saw me. Sarah Beth, you teach art. And I was like, I do, but I'm also actually on the side, creating websites. And over here, I'm making and selling art on Etsy. And, oh, I'm starting to learn about research because I was taking grad school on the side. And in order to leave the classroom, I started applying to jobs that weren't teaching jobs. And in my cover letter, I noticed I started writing, I'm Sarah Beth, and I'm an artist slash educator slash designer. I started using slashes because I needed people to see I have different sides to myself because the teacher part was so strong and dominant. And by putting slashes, I was like, well, it's not a comma, it's not an and. I'm like, I'm all of this mashed together. I don't know how else to grammatically write it for people to see like what I'm trying to explain. So that was me, like, I don't know if you've heard of the slash movement, but that's like a thing people use. There's also like the multi-hyphen people that put dashes. So I was already feeling that in myself. I just didn't know other people did this too. And then I got to grad school. I decided to work on my doctorate full-time and I was working in an entrepreneurship creativity um, program on the side. And it was in my doctoral program where I really felt like, I just don't know who I am anymore. Like I'm not just a teacher and yet what am I? And then I learned from honestly the race class and gender studies class about intersectionality that you actually are the sum of the intersection of all your different identities. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah, of course I'm white, middle-class woman, blah, 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 like all these identities. But what about my professional identity? Like I had this moment where I said, can I ask that question just in the professional side of my life? Like, are there intersections between being an artist, designer, teacher, researcher? That became my research question. So because I was in a doctoral program where we're learning to think and act this way and we're doing quantifiable research, I needed to pick a research topic. So it all kind of jived in that moment of like my personal pain, the work I was learning to do, and then this curiosity that formed. 
Yeah. And then, so as you, as you got interested in this, like, what did you find? Yeah. It was like, where do I start with this? I couldn't go around and ask people like, what are your intersections? Like, how do you see intersectionality, Mark, in your work? Because this was like too weird of a question that even I had never been asked before. I didn't know how to answer it. So I started a case study of like five different individuals that I followed and observed and interviewed about their work because I thought, am I just experiencing this or are other people? And how do I have a study around that? And so I went and started talking to individuals about, okay, your title is blank, you know, this thing, but what do you really do in that job? And very quickly, I started hearing people explain the different parts of themselves. And then the theme that I started getting across all these interviews and observations was moments when people were just in their zone of genius. You and I have talked about that before. I love this this discussion. And the zone of genius is a place where you're in flow, you're at your best, you're most energized, alive, things are effortless. And in those moments, people were actually explaining without knowing they were saying it, how their parts, their different identities were being activated if at the same time. So this one teacher was like, you know, I'm being an empath by hearing the problems of my students and giving them guidance and counseling, but I'm also sharing knowledge and I'm also bringing in creativity and I'm also this and I'm also this. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the intersection. Like, is this really how it works that when we feel our best in our work, we're in the intersection of our, of our work? And I started knowing I was onto something, like that was the beginning of the hunch. So I kept checking it out, testing it, right? Like I was trying to understand, do more people have this too? And sure enough, they do. So this is really interesting to me and something that I don't, I don't think we've really talked about. So I didn't realize that effectively, and, and correct me, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of make a, a statement here, that hybridity or the, the spirit of it is really looking for that intersection and when you're at your best at work. Do, do I have that right? So that that's really what we're talking about here? Yeah. So my focus that I described to t- today currently is hybrid professional identity that as humans, we are already hybrid. We're a compilation of all kinds of identities, social, personal, political, everything. But I just examine the vein of your professional life and what you do for your work. And when people say, I do marketing, oh, but I also do sales and I also do events. Oh, and I'm good at design. I'm good at this. Suddenly you start to hear all the elements, all the parts of them. And what I've learned is that there's a hybrid space in the professional side of people's life that they don't know how to articulate. Um, The best way I heard this explained yesterday was someone I was talking to. She said, it's your special blend. Like when you have all those spices and you combine your spice drawer to make something, your hybridity is your special blend of spices that is unique to you. No one else has combined identities that way. And that's what makes you unique and strong in whatever you're doing for work. A common question I get all the time is, Mark, can you help me with our brand? Yes, we help companies solve branding problems. And the first step would be to schedule a no-obligation brand clarity call. We'll link to that in the show notes or head over to wildstory.com and send us an email. We'll get you booked right away. So whether you're just getting started with a new business or whether you've done some work and need a refresh or whether you're a brand that's high performing and wants to stay there, we can help. After you book your brand clarity call, you'll learn about our brand audit and strategy process. 
We'll identify if you need a new logo or just a refresh. We'll determine if your business has a branding problem, and you'll see examples of our work and get relevant case studies. We'll also see if branding is holding your business back and can help you get to the next level. So what are you waiting for? Build the brand you've always dreamed of. Again, we'll link to that in the show notes or head over to wildstory.com and send us an email. Now back to the show. So when you, that's really interesting to me, like that you have all these special ingredients that become your, your hybridity. Like, like I get that, like we want to activate what makes us special, but like, why is it so important that we're focused on this? Like, like why, why does it matter? Totally. Yeah. Why? I'm going to reflect it back to you for a second and say, Mark, when you tell people you do branding or you're, you have a brand agency, wild story, like, don't a lot of people do that? Like, why do they come to you? They do. And, you know, I, I'm really, this is a really interesting question because I, I've struggled with this. Most people come to, to us because of our background in storytelling and things like that. But I spent a lot of years talking about that. Like, I'm a storyteller, I, you know, this and that. We're a storytelling agency. And it wasn't exactly leaning into the, the idea of hybridity and, and what you do, but what I did find is really confusing to a lot of people, you know, and they, you know, and so, uh, they didn't get, they didn't get that. And they, it meant different things to different people. And so, you know, from a linguistic standpoint, I've really, uh, gone back and forth on this topic. And I've really thought about like, do you use words that are already a schema that people understand to like have them understand what you do and then kind of talk about this idea of, of why or what makes us special, or do you lead with that? And so, you know, again, I'd love to know like why, so I guess what you're saying when you, when you put it back on me is it matters because it, it helps you stand out and uh, it, it helps you to differentiate. But I mean, have you experienced any of that yourself? Like where it becomes like, like a little bit uh, like, do you, do you follow the norms and say I'm a marketer or do you say, or, you know, do you say I'm a, you know, something else? This is exactly what I've been looking at. I've been doing it more on a personal, like human level. And I think you do it more for businesses and organizations. I think the dilemma is pretty much the same. Essentially, yes, as humans, our brains want to make sense of things. We categorize things, we label them so that we have that schema of understanding, like this is a rose and that's a dog and that's a horse. But you know, Shakespeare said, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, right? Like we just gave it that name to give it a name. So essentially, the reason hybridity matters is because when you know the different parts that are important, like those special ingredients, and you know why they fit together, then you know your, your uniqueness. You know why you're different than all the other roses and fish and dogs, because we're all using these generic labels to try and just fit into boxes like you do marketing and you do branding and I do research. But then the question is what kind, like what kind of branding do you really do and who do you do for and how are you different and what makes you unique? So the hybridity is articulating in a clear way that isn't confusing. This is it. This is why we stand out and you can point to it. Now, I still think the notion of hybridity is that it defies language. Like that is literally one of the themes I found in the research. 
when you're in the intersection of multiple things. So my primary identities are being an artist, researcher, designer, and educator. That I put into a Venn diagram. And then I go, okay, who am I at the middle of that Venn diagram? There is no one right or wrong way to name that. It's up to me. But once I do, I sort of give myself a new label. And then the way that I help people understand Sarah the Creative Disruptor, because that's my hybrid title, is I say, I work at the intersection of being an artist, researcher, designer, and educator, which then enables me to radically create innovation strategies and systems for organization and people. And that like three part, that's my intro essentially, is I give a hybrid title, which is my unique label. I break it down into the parts because that's what's familiar. People know what those parts are. But then I describe the relationship of how those parts fit together, which is the meaning, like why I do it, how I'm being an artist, educator, designer. What's the point of that in the world? So by giving an explanation of, of that degree, it really actually changes the way people see me. They're like, they hear my name, they see my parts, and then they see this is her definition of herself. And that's different than all the other artists and educators and researchers we've ever met. It's a unique combination. And I think businesses need that too, right? Like what are the parts and services of what they do? And why do they do those things together? What, do, what is the relationship between the things? And then you start to find those hybrid spaces. Absolutely. And, and I love that explanation, that definition. Thanks for, for clarifying that because that to me, that makes a lot more sense that, you know, a bit of the process is to, to do the internal work and it's for you, you know, it's not necessarily external at first. Uh, and then it's mm -hmm. about, it's about helping create that definition and that translation for the external world of like, Hey, this is yeah. what my title means. And so, yeah, that, that makes yes. total sense. And I love it. And, and I think that's great. And so as you were going through all this research and you were like, aha, like, all right, there's uh, this intersectionality, like we don't, it defies language, like, that's all cool. But like, are you then like, like, what, what do you do with it? You're like, okay, I've got this thing. Like, like now, now what? <laughs> like you're this, reading this, my this mind. Great, yeah. This great discovery. Like you've discovered something amazing. Now what? I mean, at the time I didn't really know if I had discovered anything amazing to me. I thought it was like the best thing I'd ever found, but I didn't know if anybody else cared. Right. It's sort of when you invent something and then you're like, but now what? So essentially that became my dissertation. So it became this huge document that, you know, maybe a hundred people in the world have read. And then it went dormant because what was happening was I was getting more comfortable with being a hybrid. Like I had to own it and walk into it and live it, right? You, you can talk about it, but then it's another thing to be it. And I, I didn't have the confidence yet. I was like, people are going to think I'm crazy if I say I'm Sarah Beth, I'm a hybrid. And they'd be like, what the heck? are you talking about? So it took me a few years and I needed that time to socialize and do more observation with more people. Like I started just networking for my own work because I was doing innovation strategy with K-12 schools at the time. And I'd have coffee meeting and I was meeting people in the community and I'd learn about them and what do they do. And slowly but surely again and again, I was noticing people are more than their job titles. They have all these different parts. And they're not good at identifying which parts are the most important to them, nor are they good at explaining how those parts fit together. So I kept seeing the same issues in other people I met. And I would throw it out there and say, you know, have you ever thought you might be a hybrid? 
And people would be like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And then I'd explain a little and they'd go, wow, that's, that is me. That's, that makes a lot of sense. So I was validating. It's like any entrepreneur, when you have a new product, like, do people want this? Does it mean anything to them? And so after a couple of years of that, I knew in my heart, I wanted to write a book someday about this and then getting these stories and and more, you know, understanding of how this looked in the world. It helped me find my voice and it helped me start to see the shape of how do I need to explain this to the mainstream public because I wasn't in the university land anymore. And so that's what I did. I decided to write a book. And honestly, I didn't have a vision after that. I was like, I'll write the book and then see what happens. And literally, I published the book. It came out April 2020. The title of the book is More Than My Title, The Power of Hybrid Professionals in a Workforce of Experts and Generalists. And the fact that I'd used the term hybrid professional at the same year, the world was going through a pandemic and everything was becoming hybridized, work and learning and events and like all sectors it was really a moment of just serendipity that I was already thinking about this and the world started talking about it. So then it's led to a number of um, interesting conversations because another thing I want to bring up, I didn't know this, you can tell me how much you know about it, is category creation. Category creation, from what I've learned, is when you invent a whole new type of product that the market didn't know they needed, so they're not searching for it yet. Like athleisure, that's my favorite example. Like nobody knew they needed athletic apparel that could be worn outside and exercised in, but now it's everywhere. Yeah. And so hybrid professionals and hybrid professional identity is a new category of workers and a new way of thinking about the workforce. And so people aren't searching for this. So the adjacent ways people are still talking about it is personal branding and career development. And then the academics, that identity research piece. So I'm living in a zone of joining conversations in those other circles, showing them and getting them to think about, don't you mean hybridity? Aren't we talking about identity here? Like, how does that factor into your career development and the way you brand yourself? Like that to me is now how I'm bringing this idea into the world. Yeah, and I think that like, even this idea of personal branding, I mean, for me, like it was kind of an icky word a couple of years ago. It's like, who, you know, personal branding, uh, but it's almost like now to be a, a modern professional, you have to brand yourself personally, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an executive, I mean, you have this identity to your point outside of your title and people are looking to that to be like, well, what else are you talking about? What else are you thinking about? How are you putting your own interesting perspective on the world. And so that that's also just this other kind of thing that's intersecting with this this time that you're in right now and, and why hybridity is so uh, so relevant yeah. and so cool. And so you wrote a book. Like, what was that like? I mean, did you, it's not an easy process and you're in, you know, you've just written a huge dissertation, not just, but you've written a huge dissertation. So you've already spent some time in the, sort of the ooey gooey middle of this topic. And then you decide to write a book. I mean, did you have doubts as you were writing that book that anyone was even going to be interested or care about this topic? Oh my gosh. The journey to the book was really interesting because I, if you hadn't noticed, I'm, I'm the high achiever, overachiever. Like I set a goal for myself and I go for it. And I, I literally just accomplish it. I don't just talk about things. I do them. 
And so I gave myself a year after finishing grad school to take a break. (laughs) And then I was like, I'm going to start writing the book. And I didn't know what I was doing. And every Sunday I was forcing myself to sit down and log hours. And it was painful because what I didn't see at the time, I just, I didn't know it yet. Like I didn't know what I was trying to write and say yet. I hadn't found it. So after a few months of uh, just putting myself through the ropes, I stopped and laid it down. I think I also got distracted by work projects. And my other goal at that point was I need a book agent, right? Like I need a literary agent to be a serious author. I'm not going to self-publish. So I took a little bit of time trying to send proposals and get an agent and I got some bites, but I learned quickly it's about the size of your audience. They're like, how many followers do you have? How big is your email list, your Instagram, all of that? And I didn't have a presence yet. And they said, come back to us when you have X thousand. It was like 10 or 20,000. It was pretty high. So I was feeling defeated and I kept talking to more authors. How did you do it? What did you do? And it's just a really crazy journey. It's one of the most opaque industries on how you publish books. And everyone's story was different. Essentially, you either self-publish or you get a giant house like Penguin Random House. And somewhere in the middle is independent publishing, which is actually called hybrid publishing. So long story short, I found a woman who is in the independent publishing world. She became a book coach for me. By the time I found her, I had validated and had a lot more confidence. I'd done a TEDx. I'd gotten asked to do some big speaking. In those speaking engagements, I was talking about this idea to audiences that I had no touch points with, right? They were cold. So I was starting from scratch with them. And by the end, they were just blown away. Like the comment I get the most is, my mind is blown right now. And to me, that meant, wow, this was a really impactful idea that I'm sharing. And so the questions they started asking me, things like, well, how do you figure this out? How do I do this myself? What are the Venn diagrams? How do I look at the intersections? That started giving me the fuel of these are the questions I need to write about in the book. This is what people want to know. And this is how they want to know it. I just need to find the best way to share it. So suddenly I had a lot more inspiration. I knew my audience. I had this book coach. The writing of the book, honestly, Mark, I did in four to five months. Like I started around Thanksgiving of 2019. I had the manuscript final draft by like February because I was aiming to publish by April. So it was like, phew, that's what happened. That's a good experience. And in, in, once you're aligned, <laughs> it, all, it all happened. And so when, when you think about this topic and you think about people who are struggling with this idea or intrigued by this idea or their minds are just they're listening to this for the first time and their minds are blown as you say what like what's the first Uh step they can take like what's the like what's something someone can do to start to explore this further yeah no great question because i I do have a whole process right um the first thing is really to start with where you are right now current state what do you call yourself? What do other people call you? What do your kids call you, your friends? Like notice all these different ways you're being labeled and the names you're using. Then you start to brainstorm a list of all those different identities. And it's really important to know that identities and actions are different. So when you ask someone, what do you do? They start telling you actions. Like I do some marketing and branding. I help people. I mentor. I coach on the side. Those are all actions. So convert that back to an identity. Who are you when you do that thing? Just because people are doing marketing or helping with branding, do they call themselves a marketer? Are they a brander? 
And sometimes it's one-to-one. They're like, yes, of course, when I do marketing, I am a marketer. And other times they're like, actually, when I'm doing this branding thing, I'm I'm more of an idea navigator, or I'm a wayfinder, or I'm I'm crystallizing, I'm a I'm a catalyst. So you realize there's other identities you are that you're not showing or talking about, if that makes sense. So it's really the first step is taking an inventory and doing a really big brainstorm on all the identities you're showing up with and that you're using. And then the next big step is to narrow it down. You go through and you see which identities I call them are your primary and which are your non-primary or like really like your secondary tertiary. And the biggest difference between primary and non-primary is your primary ones are the ones you use most frequently, like every day, because they bring you joy. You feel alive. They're the expertise you want to be known for. For me, it's the artist, researcher, educator, designer. Like that is my core foundation. Of course, I'm still doing like graphic design and event planning and these other things, but I don't use those every day. And that's not my best identity. So you look at your brainstorm list and then narrow it to your primary ones. And you have to have at least two to be a hybrid, right? Like two identities combined will make one intersection. Three identities is sort of the sweet spot. I think three is what most people are usually in. Four is the upper limit. If you have more than four primary identities, you've got to keep narrowing because there's just too many intersections. So that is the beginning of this work. The second part I call investigating the intersections. That is where things get really hard. Like time and again, that's where people struggle because it is literally a space that's unconscious and you've never thought of who am I in my intersections. Like that's a whole different conversation we need to have. (laughs) <laughs> love it. Thank you. And I feel like that's, that's so actionable. And, you know, you, you talk about struggle. I mean, like what's hard about it, you know, like why, where, what is hard for everyone to wrap their minds around? Like, what don't we know about this, this whole hybridity thing? Yeah. Well, let me play with that with you for a second. If I walked up to you and said, Hey, Mark, tell me how you're unique. How are you unique in your work? Ready? Go. Like, what would you say? Well, I, I would say there's a whole list of things. So I think that'd be my first challenge, you know, there'd be like, uh-huh. it just, it, but then there's also this thing, like, I don't like talking about myself, you know, and I don't <laughs> like in, in that way, you know, and saying, these are the things, um, and I don't know if you encounter that a lot, but like, these are the things I'm good at. Like it, it, it's, it's truly hard for me to, to say that. And I, I encounter a lot of people that, that also struggle with that, but that's me personally. Um, yeah. I, don't know if you, I don't know if that holds up in your experience as well. I would just say like rule of thumb, the majority of people, if they were confronted and asked in this moment to to explain how they're unique and different in whatever they do, they would either A, kind of like draw a blank, like be caught off guard. I I don't know. I need a moment. B, they would be unsure. They'd be like, I, it's hard to describe, right? Like, I know I am unique, but like, how do I put it into words? Or um, the, the other one is just your uniqueness is is just it's like the wrong way to approach this because um like you need tools to see yourself and to be able to rec- oh i know what i was going to say the third one is they get too general they'll say something like i'm really good at problem solving like my superpower is asking really great questions and it's like what does that even mean right like these are really broad things like everyone says they're good at problem solving i'll be honest i hear that a lot so The trick that I use, and this is another strategy I have, it's called your first, best, or only. 
And so instead of approaching it with where are you unique, which is ultimately what we're trying to suss out in finding your intersections and your hybridity. If you look at yourself and go, okay, where have I been the first on something like the first project I did, the first client I landed, the first at starting a new process, it could be on a team or in a company or the best, like you were the top in your group, the top in a region, and the only, you were one of a kind. No one else has even done this thing yet, right? Pull out those stories, try and get like one per category, and that will start to reveal this is you in a moment of uniqueness. So I was like the first to launch and lead this innovation ecosystem around early childhood. Wow. Okay. So let me break that down. What was I doing? Who was I in that moment to do that thing? What identities were showing up when I was in that first moment? If you, so going into my research hat for a moment, there's a notion of triangulation. What triangulation means is when you're collecting data, if you only have one data point, you don't know what that means, if it's good or bad. And if you have two data points, then one might be good, one might be bad, so you don't know which it is. But if you have a third, it's the tiebreaker, right? It's like, okay, two of them are good or two are bad, so you know you're leaning more this direction. That's how it goes, I think, in learning about your hybridity. So if you can think of three stories that represent your first, best, or only, then you can start to say which identities showed up in story number one, which identities are in number two, which are in number three, and you start to look for identities that are consistent across these moments to figure out, oh, those are the identities that are really true to me. Like these are the ones I'm using the most and they're important. And that is just one way to start to find your uniqueness. There's a lot of tools and tricks I use in this work because this is a very deeply reflective process. I did a crash course this weekend with individuals and one of the participants said it the best. He said, Sarah, about this work is like feeling muscles you didn't know you had after a really hard workout. Like I start asking people questions they have literally never been asked before. And that's why their minds are blown. They're like, oh, my head hurts. And I have to give them a break. Like we can't do the whole thing in a day or in an hour. It's kind of broken into segments. And this is why I'm literally making you step out of yourself. Like it's metacognition, like watching what you're doing and who you are when you're doing it to start to see patterns and start to truly notice what specifically you're doing that other people don't do, which then creates that recipe back to the ingredients of who you are in your hybridity. I don't think I'm supposed to ask you this because probably like children, you're not supposed to say your favorite hybrid titles, but could you share a couple of your favorites uh, that uh, you've, you've either helped to uh, bring out of people or that it just have, have come your way? Like what are some of your favorite titles that we can leave the audience with? Yeah, no, totally. It's a great, great, great question. And I think examples are really important. So I'm so glad you asked. So yeah, it's not a bad question. One gentleman I got to work with, he was describing himself as a project manager essentially. And he was unhappy with, with his work and just felt like not all the parts of him were being used. So we went through this journey and, and unpacked And by the end of it, he realized he was really the tension methodologist. He was balancing energy and projects and resources, and he was managing tension, but he had a methodology to it. And he's like, that is me, the tension methodologist. Um, Someone else I worked with, she is the methodical weaver of wonder. She's really good at pulling visions out and weaving them together. And she, again, 
has a really special way she does it. Um, this other guy, he's the human hit maker. Someone else called themselves a serial edu agitator. He was merging two words, education and agitator together. And another one is the spiritual spark plug. Those are a few off the top of my head. I love it. I love it. Well, where can our listeners learn more about you and dive deeper on this topic? We'll make sure to link to everything in the show notes, but why don't you go ahead and let people know where they can learn more about how to, how to like kind of dive deeper on this topic. Yeah, I would love that. Um, so I'm on Clubhouse a lot. So I hope to see you in rooms there if you are. But morethanmytitle.com is my website. All kinds of goodies and freebies. A lot of tools like the word list is up there and Venn diagrams. And then I'm on Instagram at morethanmytitle as well. And I just started doing some LinkedIn lives so people can see me. I'm really talking to people about their stories of being hybrid. So I'm a little bit of everywhere like you. Awesome. And as we come to a close here, Sarah Beth, I want you to think back to that, as you described it, the the wallflower version of you in high school. And, you know, that that version of you that was told that you weren't good enough to get into that art program. And, you know, if 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 she were able to see you today, what do you think she'd say? I mean, my first reaction is awe, like just really a lot of surprise and shock. Um, because this this is something I would have never, ever, ever envisioned of myself. There's no way. I don't know where it came from still. Like, I think I've surprised myself a lot. Yeah, great question. And that is Dr. Sarah Beth Burke, creative disruptor at More Than My Title. I've often struggled with fitting in and how to describe myself. That, in Sarah Beth's words, There was no language for the intersections of my identities. Hearing Sarah Beth's insights and methodologies has allowed me to see myself in a different light, and I hope it's helped you as well. I also loved her actionable teaching, especially the first best only exercise. I'll be working on that one this weekend over a journal and some coffee. A big thank you to Dr. Sarah Beth Burke and the More Than My Title team, We will link to all things Sarah Beth and more than my title in the show notes. And if you know of a guest who should appear on our show, please drop me a line at podcast at wildstory.com. Our best guests, like Sarah Beth, come from referrals from past guests and our listeners. Well, that's the show. Until next time. Make sure to visit our website, www.wildstory.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. I like big stories and I cannot lie. You other storytellers can't deny. 